Father, thanks so much for uh, this morning. Thanks for this conference and just the, the uh, opportunity to get away, um, to be refreshed through just a, a great setting here at the Marriott and, um, and good fellowship and, and getting to laugh last night. And so, God, we just thank you for that. And, Lord, we do just um, uh, thank you for the time that we can come and be encouraged and challenged and spurred on to be better parents. And so, God, I just pray for this time. Thank you for Richard and Holly and their leadership. And, God, I would just ask that you would um, uh, really just use this time to encourage all of us. And, uh, and Lord, that uh, our hearts will be open to what you want uh, to say to us this morning. So, God, we're grateful uh, for you. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just wanted to thank everybody for coming. Um, Todd kind of touched on it last night. It's just a, an encouragement to see everybody take the time out. Um, sometimes um, take the uh, emotional you know, struggle to pull away from your kids and spend some time and to make the investment. Because that's really what this is. It's an investment of time and energy um, into in pouring into your kids. And it's just really encouraging to see so many single parents out here that are really, really desiring to get some good godly wisdom as to how to raise their kids. And so I just want to kind of set the table as to what Holly and I talked about as to what we want to share with you today. Um, we are not here to tell you how to parent your children. We are not here to say, if Johnny does this, then you do that. That is not what we're here to talk to you about today. What we do want to do, though, is we, um, in talking with Wes, we just took kind of three big myths of single parenting. Three big things that the world will tell you, or that sometimes even thoughtful friends and family, that while their heart might be in the right place, they're giving you worldly wisdom or they're giving you some worldly advice. And so we want to kind of just debunk some of those myths, and then in response to that, we want to kind of give you some of God's wisdom as to how to address those particular issues. So the way we're going to kind of do things today is Holly's going to kind of talk about the myth part of it and do some of the debunking and uh, give you some scripture that kind of debunks some of that stuff. And then I wanted to kind of step in and follow up on that and say, okay, here's kind of a godly response to some of those things. Just kind of let you know as to what we're going to do today. Okay? Just so you know, there are uh, there's an outline in your yeah. book for yeah. these uh, the notes for today. So. Yeah, and at the back of that section, there's a whole blank page for you to make notes if you like. Did we want to have them introduce each other? Oh, yeah. Um, it just real quickly, just like for 30 seconds, if you're comfortable with it, um, you know, part of the reason we, we kind of got out of the back of the room last night is because coming to an event like this can sometimes be difficult or awkward when you're coming by yourself. Um, so if you want to just turn real quickly and introduce yourself to somebody next to you, be an opportunity as you're going to other breakouts, you might know somebody. As you're going to lunch, be an opportunity for you to grab somebody to go to lunch with if you're, if you're coming here and you don't know a whole, lot, a whole lot of people to begin with. I'll start myself. Um, I'm Richard McCauley. I've been coming to Watermark for coming up on four years now. I have one child, um, a seven-year-old little girl. Okay. And I'm Holly Mason. I've been at Watermark for a little less than a year, and I have two beautiful girls, uh, Taylor, 14, and Brooke, 12. Good morning. I'm Jesse. Yeah. I have uh, Joshua, uh, my other little child that I love very much. He's not mine, but I love him very much. He's oh. in Jonathan. And I've been attending Watermark for maybe about a month, you know, once in a while. But I have this opportunity to come over here. Great. Thanks, Jesse. I don't, I don't want to go through the whole room, so that might take up too much time. If you just want to turn to the person to your left and your right, just make okay. a quick introduction. Good to then. Thank you, and good lunch. <laughs> I'm 
Okay, guys, well, you have your um, notebook. If you have it, you can open it up and take notes in it. And um, one little thing I wanted to, to uh, read off to you before we get started, I thought this was interesting. C.S. Lewis said that if you look for truth, you find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap, wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair. So what we hope to do today is help you guys get directed to some truth and uh, to really look for truth in our situation. And um, I've been divorced now for about 10 years, and I've gone through a lot of what we're about to talk about many times, back and forth, depending on the stage that I was in, depending on things that were going on in my life, depending on um, a lot of circumstances. But just real quickly, take your pen, and I want you to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, one being my kids are doomed because of your situation, <laughs> 10 being my kids are fine. So be honest with yourself and, and kind of look deep inside and, and rate yourself between 1 and 10 where you feel your kids fall according to your situation. But we're rating our kids. Huh? You're rating your, you're rating, you're rating yourself. Like, rating do you believe what we yeah, believe? Raise our kids. What do you believe? Do you believe because you are a single parent and uh, you're faced with the challenges of single parenting that your kids are doomed and, and they're going to have all kinds of struggles that are just too hard to overcome? Or do you believe that they are totally fine and they are not impacted by your situation at all? Do you fall somewhere in between there or are you on one, one end or the other? Does that make sense, everybody? <laughs> yes? Yes. Uh, I can say for me, uh, I've been probably not all the way on both ends of the scales, but I, I have covered both sides of that over the years. That first myth says that my kids need a father, a mother, so I need to get remarried, or I'm lonely and need a spouse and my kids won't mind. And I'll just speak to that for just a second again. I've been divorced for about 10 years, and uh, a lot of what Todd said last night that rang true for me was just really having a plan and thinking ahead, knowing where you're headed, where you're going. And in the pursuit of watermarks, authenticity, I can tell you that I did not have that figured out. When, whenever I came into a, my divorce situation at 28 years old, I was not sure what I was going to do with the parenting thing. I was just kind of stumbling through it. And I really believed for me as a woman and being younger, not that that doesn't mean as a man, I guess, but... I really believe that the best thing would be to get remarried, to, to have a, a man in the home to represent for my children, hopefully, what a godly marriage looked like, to ha- have help around the house when I needed help for protection. All those things I really, and I was a believer at the time, and, and I loved the Lord. I was stumbling out of a, out of a divorce, so I was hurting and, and angry, and I had a lot to work through. But I really honestly believe that was the best thing. So I would say for a good part of seven years, uh, I dated and I was in and out of relationships. Um, about four serious relationships during that time. Each one of them, you know, were believers. I believe I was equally yoked and headed into the right place, but God never gave me peace on moving towards marriage. So in each case, those relationships ended. Um, and I became more and more frustrated. I couldn't understand why God would not provide a husband for me because... Really, in my view, that would solve a lot of my problems. I knew it wouldn't fix everything, but I really, truly believed that that would really give me a lot of relief. I could be a better mom. I wouldn't be as tired, etc., etc. And what God's taught me over the last two or three years, really, has been radical in my life. And uh, what He's shown me is that I do not need to get remarried for my kids, and that if He brings that one day, 
that's great. But if I'm pursuing that for that reason, I will end up with the wrong person and I will set that person up for failure for me because I'll be expecting them to heal my wounds and to to give me relief and we all know that won't happen. And you know, we've got another class in here called a blended family. I mean, we think the first marriage was difficult, obviously going into the second when you're having to navigate all those issues. I just really be setting myself up for failure. But the lens that I had for eight years, and I, I believed I was still a pretty good mom, not great. I obviously made mistakes as we all do. But the overall lens that I had that I was looking through was that was my goal, was to find a, a God-fearing man and have a spouse and a father to my children. And um, obviously through a period of time God finally reached my heart and changed me on that Todd said uh, yesterday I forget which one he was speaking to but at the dive he had made a comment that married it is better to be married only because when you're married you know that that is not bringing solutions to your problem as a single we're still pining often to be married and we still think that that is going to bring us you know, resolution to problems in our inner life. Same way of being, uh, as a rich man, it's better to be rich because then we, the poor, still think that being rich is what will make us happy or bring us joy. Um, at another dive, I don't know if you guys have ever had the opportunity to go to the dives, but next time they have one come around, you absolutely should go. They've been just really powerful. And when we talk about the lens that we should look through, these are the type of things that have impacted me to where I really have a different lens now. I forget, what was the speaker's name at the last dive? Sorry. Actually, yes. Um, actually, it was one before. It was a couple. Yes. At that dive, um, I think it was that one. They gave a, a, a an example of statistics. Had everybody in the room stand up. Do you remember this? I don't know if you were there. But anyway, had everybody in the room stand up, and they had 60% of the people in this worship center, pretty large amount of people, sit down. And then they had another 25% of those people sit down. I'm, I'm giving the short version. And the 15% that were left remaining standing, those 15% are the people that are in a happy marriage and, and a marriage that you would probably desire to have. Everyone else sitting down in the room is either divorced, with the 60% divorce rate, or they're mar- staying married often for the sake of the kids. And unfortunately, and, and we don't desire this for anybody, but unfortunately often they are not in a good, healthy, happy relationship. What that did for me was like, wow, okay, so when I'm out and about and I see these couples and, and I see these happy families and I'm kind of pining for that and wanting that and why not me, there is an 85% chance that I would not want what they have and that I would actually be drained as a parent if I was in those situations either headed to divorce and, and second marriages, I believe it's 75% divorce rate or potentially in, in, a, in a second marriage that is not a happy marriage. So. The reality is I realized along the way that it was my thoughts that were guiding the lens that I was looking through. And while I'm speaking to you and to me, this does have a direct impact on your kids. Someone once said that our thoughts are the house in which we live. And the reality is your kids live there with you in that house. So if your thoughts that you're missing out, that God hasn't provided, that you can't do this without a spouse or someone in your life, and those are the thoughts that you're having, that will create the house in which you live. And your kids do live there with you. That will absolutely affect them. So moving forward here into some scripture, um, I guess what, what I started doing in my life is, okay, so what does that mean? If, if I realize now that 
I don't need to be married, and God is teaching me that. Um, what, what are the real truths, and what does God say? How do, how do I do this? How do I take what I now know and apply it to my heart? And I don't know for you guys, but over the years as a believer, there's been a lot of scripture that I've read and learned, but it's taken some time to get to where it permeates me and becomes who I am and how I live and is lived out in my life. So just walking through a few scriptures here, and these are in your, in your um, book. This is by far probably one of my, my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know a lot of friends that can rattle that part of the verse off, and that's great. But when I started studying this, I realized, to me, one of the most important parts was what follows the rest of this verse. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. That was powerful to me. This verse, to me, what it's meant to me is it is a roadmap on how I get through each day. First, I'm to rejoice in the Lord for everything, even being divorced or being uh, without a significant other and helping to parent. I am to rejoice God for that because He will find ways to make that work good in my life. I'm to make my request known to Him. It just says simply, do not be anxious. Just let God know what's on your heart. He already knows. So lay it out there and let Him know with prayer and thanksgiving and here we are again back thanking God for what you have we're sitting in this room today and we are living in this city we are blessed I know everybody in here is in different situations and and there's some hurting hearts in here but we we are blessed and just having that lens that we look through when we move further to the scripture it tells us now what do we do how many times have you guys prayed about something and we said you know what I gave it to God I laid it at the foot of the cross I gave it to God Then then what do we do we usually take it back, right? We usually take it back. And then we pray about it and we give it back to God and then we take it back. And what I learned, what God taught me was, you know what? You don't take it back. What you do is you go control your thoughts. What I need you to do is go think on things that are lovely and pure and admirable. And for me to think about those things, I better get to know the Lord because there's not a lot in the world that you can focus on that will help you get there. So to think on those things, really dive into Scripture and get to know the Lord. Come um, on, time. You'll have to keep me on track. Um, moving forward um, I'm looking at God's truth now now that I'm trying to establish my lens and how I'm kind of looking at things I need to look at God's truth and we're all in different situations some of us may not have a father or may not have a mother to our child you know depending if we're the mom or their dad and scripture tells us um, that God will be a fatherless a defender of the widows um, in this holy dwelling and the scripture clearly says that God will be there for your child Often that means through people in your life. God works through providing people in your life. Um, next scripture we talk about, um, to me, Psalms 37.4, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, this was another huge one for me, being a mom and wanting to be married and wanting to have relief. This scripture taught me that if I'm delighting myself in the Lord, which again means seeking God, saying that we're falling in love with Jesus, not just knowing who He is, but having a love relationship with Christ and I'm delighting myself in Him He will give me the desires of my heart 
So that fear that I have about not getting remarried or will I get remarried or will I will that ever come to pass, which often can still creep up, I can trust and know that God promises me to either give me that desire or not give me that desire if I'm delighting myself in Him. So if I'm pursuing Christ with everything I have and it is not His desire for me to remarry and I'm to shepherd my children on my own, He will renew that desire. If God is a man of His word, if I still have that desire, I can trust that God will bring him in his timing. And I can lean on that truth. Next scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. Another really impactful scripture for me. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Again, this ties into what lens are we looking through? What do you really believe about your future and the future of your children? When, when you get up in the morning, what are the thoughts that are, you're running through your head? I know for me as a parent, the days that I am the best parent, which is still filthy rags in comparison to who God is to me as a parent, but the days that I am a, the best parent is when my thoughts are in a good place. When, when I'm thinking some pretty good things and I feel good about things, I, all of a sudden I have this energy and patience with my children that I do not have when I am tired, when I'm frustrated, when I'm feeling negative, when I'm having the poor pitiful holly day. I'm almost incapable of even being a parent at all. So again, resting in God's truth that God knows the plans he has for you. The plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. Regardless of your situation, you can trust that God is working to prosper you. does not necessarily mean financial it often means prospering us in matters of the heart and leading us into a deeper relationship with Him, making us more Christ-like, helping us die to self, which in essence brings peace and joy. It brings us the ability to have relationships that we couldn't have otherwise with our children and people around us. Um, and then about our situation, First Peter 1.7 spoke to me on this. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Again, another uh, just really meaningful scripture to me. That What that scripture says to me about being a single parent um, and about the situation, I know everybody's got different ones. Sometimes we have amicable situations with our ex or our child's father or mother. Sometimes we don't. I mean, there's a variety of things in this room I know. But the reality is, and and, uh, Todd kind of touched on this, he said a prayer with us last night, a lot of the single parents were sitting around, and and I caught on to what he said in that prayer, which which is where my heart was here. We have an opportunity to have our faith tested. And I can assure you, I know we all have married friends, whether you're married or whether you're a single parent, your faith will be tested. Scripture tells us it has a far greater worth than gold. It is not because God is unhappy with us, or because we're being punished, or because we've been treated unfairly. God will make all things work together for good, and he will test our faith, which has incredible, incredible worth, eternal worth. And as a single parent, our faith will be tested. As a married, our faith will be tested. It doesn't matter what life situation we're in. We are given an opportunity in our situation to have our faith tested. What is he testing us in as a single parent? Does anybody have a... Um to stay single when you're being called to stay single. To being faithful and being waiting right. on the Lord, right? What else? I mean, trust. Trust. Trusting God. What does that look like? I mean, that's a big thing, right? 
He is testing us to say, do you believe I am who I say I am? Do you believe I'm big enough to provide for your situation? Do you believe that I will bring you a spouse in my timing if that is my desire for you? And do you believe that I can shepherd your children with you, with or without a husband or wife? Do you really believe that? And our faith will be tested and we will be able to determine where our lens is maybe not so good and where it's good. And all of these things I'm speaking to, I know more about us. But the reason I wanted to go there is because this will affect your children. It, your children are watching you, and Todd said this last night, they're watching you to see what you're leaning on. And if you are out looking for someone to fill that hole, or if you are leaning on a God, and, and by example, we have this opportunity to teach them what do you do when, when things get tough. What do you lean on? What do you reach out to? And they're watching. Um, last few scriptures here. James 1.3, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance again just speaking to that to uh, that opportunity to have our faith tested in Ephesians 6.16 last scripture here in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one uh, again this is, to me speaks to protection God providing us protection um, as single parents um, I don't know if you guys have heard of that is it Louis Giglo is that how you say it? if you get an opportunity you should go watch this on the internet and I'd be happy to email it out to you guys or go to the bookstore and buy it when we talk about having a faith in something we're not just talking about just kind of believing that something's going to be okay we're, we're having a faith in a God that is huge and Lou Giggly does an amazing job of helping us develop that lens that we're looking through and speaking to how God breathes out stars a trillion times bigger than the earth and who are we for a minute to even think that this God can't take care of our situation and tomorrow and next year and help us be a parent to our kids. So understand when you're taking up the shield of faith that's in the truth through God's word and it's in our lens and our view on who we believe God is. Want you step in here? Great. What was that first Bible verse about um, testing our faith or Oh, uh, it should be. Oh. 1 Peter 1, 7. That one? Oh, okay. Please just come at your face. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Holly. Um, what I want to do is just kind of talk about uh, kind of a biblical response to some of those things and just really some basic things that we can do as single parents. And I just kind of titled my little section, Getting Back to the Basics. And forgive me, ladies, but I'm going to start with a sports analogy. Okay. <laughs> I'm a guy. Forgive me. It's even a football one. But Vince Lombardi, the great, great football coach of the Green Bay Packers, when he was hired... The Green Bay Packers had several rotten seasons in a row. And the very first day of practice, he gathered his team around the very the middle of the field. He said, guys, the reason I'm hired is because, well, you're not very good. you know." And they hired me to kind of turn this organization around. And so as a football team, we're going to get back to the basics. You ready? And he held up the ball and he goes, this is a football. Okay? And he's like, we're going to get back to the very, very basics. And sometimes, as single, not sometimes, actually all the time, as single parents, when we've been thrust into this situation, a situation that none of us ever really planned to be in. For example, in my own situation, I was never married to my daughter's mom. We dated for a while. This was before I was walking with the Lord. Um, we had split up. And then one day at work, I got the phone call and said, I'm going to be a dad. Now, I had never planned on that in my life. Okay, turned my whole world upside down. Okay, uh, so many things that I thought was going to happen wasn't going to happen. It, it was just everything was going to be different from that day. Um, and so I, I didn't have a plan for that. 
I didn't have a plan for that. And so what I would talk about a little bit today is just some of the things that we can do as single parents when our lives are turned upside down and when things have changed. Uh, for, some, for some of us, you know, maybe there's some moms here who are stay-at-home moms and now you're back in the workforce. Or maybe there are dads who maybe were struggling to provide with their family and now they got child support and parental support and you know, income is stretched, you know, like it's never been stretched before. Um, so I just want to kind of take that Vince Lombardi thing and say, let's get back to the basics and let's talk about some things. Um, and there's, I, I listed in, in your handout, there's five elements to your plan. And, and I've taken some of these ideas from a book that we did, single parent uh, uh, meetings uh, last year, a book by uh, Dr. Lehman. And uh, he said the five elements to your plan should be a, um, a financial plan, a physical plan, uh, professional plan, emotional, and spiritual. So I just wanted to kind of touch on each one of those points and give you a little bit of scripture around those things as well. But before we do that, I want you to understand that if any of those things, if any of those five elements start to consume, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 percent of our time and our energy, then something's, something's out of whack. And we need to have balance in our lives. We need that the time and energy that we pour into these different areas need to be balanced. If you think of you know this the old equalizers on your stereo, you know you could you could adjust the bass and the treble and all the rest of this, and you have the green lights. But if you went too far on one of them, you hit the red zone. Okay, and that can happen sometimes in our lives. We can hit the red zone in, in, with our emotions, and we get so consumed with what we're feeling, and all of our time and energy gets poured into our feelings. We're red zoning there, and all these other areas of our lives are suffering. So as we're talking about these things, I want you to keep in mind that we need to have balance across the board with all of these things. Um, financial. This can be a very big area of stress and concern for all of us. And so the first thing to do is stop. Just take a pause and assess your situation. Obviously, it's different and going to be sometimes very significantly different than what it was prior to becoming a single parent. And we need to just stop, take a breath, and look at, it, look at what we have in front of us. And sometimes that's, that picture is going to make us fearful. Okay? And it's going to, have a, going to be of a, a great concern to us. Okay, but understand that there's help. Okay, and whether we've been given a lot or whether we've been given a little, okay, Scripture tells us that we need to steward that well. Okay, and uh, um, the, you know the passage in uh, Matthew 25, Jesus gives the parable of the three servants. Okay, and each of the, each of them was given something. Some of them were given a little bit more. Some of them were given less. And he wasn't what he was concerned about at the end of that parable was what did you do with what I gave you. How well did you take care of what I trusted you? Some of us have been blessed with a great number of resources. And some of us, this is a big area of concern for us. So stop and take the time to assess your situation. And if you need to, get some help. Okay? At Watermark, we have a great ministry called MoneyWise Ministry. It's a bunch of people who are in the financial services industry in one way or another, whether they're CPAs or financial planners. And this is the way that they've chosen to kind of serve the church is to help be a part of this ministry called MoneyWise. So there's, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a single parent, there's an opportunity for you to come and get some good scriptural foundation, scriptural basis as to how you should handle your finances. And they'll help you prepare a budget. They'll help you prepare a plan so that you can address these things going forward because if you have a plan, that tends to take away a lot of your concerns and your worries because all of a sudden, I, kinda, I know what I'm doing tomorrow and I know what I'm going to do next week. And I know how much I have coming in, and I know how much is going out, okay? And I've got kind of a road map that I can stick to. There's an old expression that you can't be lost if you don't know where you're going, 
okay? And so if you know where you're going, okay, you can kind of measure yourself and you can kind of say, hey, I am on track or whoa, I need to pull over, get my map back out and find out where it is that I'm going and where I got off track so I can get back on track. So <clears throat> take some time with your finances. Um, scale back if you need to scale back. Um, sometimes uh, when we're thrust into this situation, uh, we're so concerned and so consumed with our kids not being affected by, a, by, by the situation that we want to make sure that they still have gymnastics and they still have soccer and they still have piano and they still go to the private school and still wear these kinds of clothes and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but that may not be our, the reality of our situation. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to scale back and not have to shop at this store. Or it's okay if they don't have three different lessons going on at any given time. Maybe that turns into just one. And the benefit of that is those two lessons gone away, well, that's that much more time with you and your child. Okay? And at the same time, it's taking some financial burden off of your shoulders as well. So the next thing I want to talk about <coughs> is um, the physical. Have a physical plan. First um, Corinthians six nineteen and twenty says, "Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. With a high price, so you must honor God with your body." I'm not here necessarily to talk about purity as a single or anything like that. What I am here to talk to you about, though, is just taking care of yourself. Okay, eating well, getting a little bit of exercise doing some of those things that you need to do so that you've got energy because as we all know the parents whether you're married or whether you're a single parent takes a lot of energy to raise those kids a lot of energy there's the old joke I think Mark Twain said you know, kids get their energy because they suck it out of their parents at night <laughs> okay? so they get more than their fair share and we are losing it Okay, so take care of yourselves just stop and take a pause and you know what? it's okay if you need to go to the gym a couple times a week or even better yet, you can combine a couple of things. You can combine uh, by saving on your finances and taking care of the physical by not spending money taking your kid to go do whatever it might be and just go to the park, run around, play soccer, throw the frisbee, play on the sink, swing set. You're getting a little bit of exercise. There's some free entertainment and there's quality time with your kids as well. Okay, Take care of your bodies. Um, eat well, exercise, mix these things in with playtime with your kids, and remember that you're setting an example for your kids as to how to treat their own bodies. Okay? Uh, as, as Holly said, and as Todd said last night, our kids are watching us. Okay? They're watching us in everything that we do. The old expression being that they, uh, kids will not, um, the kids don't listen to which, I don't know. Yeah, they don't listen to what you say, but they, were, uh, they do listen to what you say, and they repeat exactly what you shouldn't have said. Okay? The same thing with how we, we live out our lives. Okay? They're watching us, and oftentimes they will repeat exactly the things that maybe we shouldn't have done. Okay? So eat well, exercise well, and you are setting an example for your children going forward. Sometimes it's a body image issue. You know? How are you perceiving yourselves? Um, I've got a seven-year-old uh, uh, daughter. And I don't want her to grow up to be a girl that has body image issues. And so I'm very conscientious about not just always talking about how pretty she is. I talk to her about her heart. And I talk to her about her character. And that those are the things that I admire about her. Okay? And not that she's pretty or cute. She is pretty and cute. But I don't want her to be indoctrinated with the things that that's what it is that I think that's so wonderful about her. Okay? Um... 
the emotional is the next thing I want to talk about. Um, take care of your emotional needs. Um, it's very easy as we get into these situations, whether you're new into being a single parent or just really for the, for the duration of the, our time as being single parents, we're going to have opportunities for uh, our emotions to just kind of consume us and get the best of us. I know that I spent years um, dealing with this with, with my daughter's mom. Um, I, I carried forward anger and bitterness and resentment at being thrown into the situation because one, I wasn't willing to look at my part and what I had done to get myself there. Okay, and two, I wanted to take all that and I wanted to throw it over the fence to her. Okay, um, so take care of your um, emotional needs, whether that's going to divorce care um, at Watermark, whether that's going to celebrate recovery. Um, the new ministry started is called Grief Share. Um, if you're grieving the loss of your marriage um, or maybe the loss of a spouse, if, if uh, death is coming to the picture, you know, take the time to address your emotional needs because you can't raise emotionally healthy children if you're not emotionally healthy yourself. Okay, So that investment that you're making into yourself is also an investment that you're making into your kids. And, and take the time to consider your kids' emotional needs as well. Divorce care for kids. Um, is also a great program where your children will have the opportunity to go and kind of process some of their feelings as to what's going on and to the changes in their lives. Um, and the, the scripture that I wanted to reference there for you is Proverbs 15:13. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. Okay? We can't have a glad heart and a happy face if we're not emotionally healthy. Um, professionally, don't neglect your career or your job. It's okay to spend some time to invest a little bit of time and effort into your career and to your job. Now, why you do that is important and significant, your motives, but it's okay if, if maybe your financial situation is really difficult and you know, getting a promotion or getting a move or changing to a new job would really, really benefit your situation. Okay, And if that means taking a class or taking a seminar that's going to be able to help enable that happen, that's okay. But the scripture I want you to keep in mind there is Colossians 3.23. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. It's not a matter of furthering ourselves, furthering our own career, and doing things for the glory of ourselves. We're doing things for the glory of God. Okay. Lastly, but most importantly, and this kind of permeates all the things that I've just talked about, is having a spiritual plan. Okay, And that's why I've had scripture to talk to each point that I just addressed. You have to have a spiritual plan to stay connected to the Lord day in and day out, <coughs> week in, week out, month after month. You have to have a spiritual plan. But, you know, that can include prayer time, quiet times in the morning, um, staying in the Word on a regular basis, or getting involved in a Bible study, um, your community group. But find a way, find multiple ways to have a spiritual plan that you are constantly connected to the Lord, constantly seeking His wisdom, His advice, and His guidance. Now, I'll close with a couple of scriptures because we're running out a little bit of time. We're going to move on to some other points. Um, Proverbs thirteen six, uh, six. Excuse me. Proverbs sixteen three. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Proverbs sixteen nine. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And lastly, Proverbs 15.22 Plans lo- fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Okay. I'm going to hand it back to Holly and we'll talk about the next myth.
Well, again, we're up here sharing some things that God has taught us, but uh, I'm still a very imperfect parent, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, just two days ago, this is homecoming weekend for my kids. I have a 14 and 12-year-old, and that 14-year-old is in the thick of it. We've done the dress shopping like three times, and it's hard because there's, anyway, what's a whole other subject. But <laughs> So she decided not to go with this little boy that invited her to the homecoming dance, which I was not a big fan of that. It did not filter through the Christian filter correctly. And um, I advised her that that was probably not the right thing to do to go back and, and, you know, retract her yes to this boy. So there were some things that happened that became uncomfortable, so I I decided to let her walk through it. If you do that, I don't think it's right to accept a date from from someone else. And they're 14, so date is like you ride together there and you get a corsage or whatever. That's it. So I don't want to freak you guys out. But anyway, Thursday we have pep rally, right? You got to have pep rally before homecoming game, which was last night. And then homecoming, they go to Christian private school, so they don't get to dance. But it's a homecoming event, whatever, tonight. And Taylor gets in the car, my 14-year-old, and... um, Hopefully she doesn't figure out how to log on the watermark and listen to this because they, they do know how to do that. But she gets in the car and the minute the door closes, and this is late Friday night after uh, the pep rally, the tears just started flowing. Now you have to understand about something about Taylor. She is my joyful child. She is the one that's always in a good mood. Things roll off of her easier than anybody in our family. And when the tears come from her, um, usually it's just that emotional time of month or there's something really significant that happened and as a parent you know those tears right you know when this is real deal and she was very upset and she was crying and um, so of course I said Taylor what's wrong what 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 is going on I thought this has to do something with the whole date thing right it's got to have and she proceeds to tell me she doesn't have any friends I don't have any friends I only have two friends Amanda and Jesse and the response it was so ridiculous to me that she would make that statement and this was not this is the part where I believe I failed at that moment I went back and made it right was I said Taylor you gotta be kidding me (laughs) that's what I said to her and she says to me mom forget it I can't talk to you I'm just not even going to talk to you I can't even talk to you I'm like what do you mean you can't talk to me or talking she goes you just you won't even get it just never mind never mind I said wait a minute you're not being fair but you're, you're asking me to buy off into a statement that I think is completely untrue and she's like but just never mind just never mind I don't even want to hear it That stuck with me. I thought, wow, this child does not want to hear the truth that she has a huge watermark family of friendships. She's in a community group. She's water girl on the football team, so every football player knows her. You know, they call her Mason by her last name. She's been at this school. I was talking to somebody this morning since she was four years old. She knows everybody in this school, yet she climbed into the car that day in real emotion and real tears that she has no friends but two. The reason I tell you that story, no, let me finish this. I went back to her later and told her, I did not do my job as a parent for you, and I want to ask for your apology. I should have just been compassionate and understood that you felt that way, and though I didn't believe it was real, a real view, those were genuine feelings, and I'm sorry that I wasn't a little more compassionate and, and helped you walk through to find the truth. Instead, I just made her feel like she was ridiculous. And when I walked away from that, and as I was making some notes on this, I thought, that's often how God has feelings sometimes towards us, right? When we get in those places and we say, I'm all alone, I have no one, nobody understands my situation, no one has been through what I've been through, 
I have the worst situation ever and nobody cares. Anybody ever felt that way to a certain degree? It is not true. I'm just telling you it is not true. You are not alone. Not, not one person in this room is alone. And if you believe that, much like Taylor, you are riding on emotion and feeling and you are not leaning on the truth. You are not alone. I can tell you at Watermark, if you go to Watermark, you are certainly not alone. You will have to skate in and out quick if you want to be alone because Watermark is all about community and about connecting and you are not alone. And this myth here that I'm speaking to says I'm all alone, no one understands my situation. On the flip side, I'm on my own and I don't need anyone. To me, both of those are speaking to wanting to be alone or wanting to believe you're alone and and you don't need anyone and they are completely false myths on, on both sides of the equation. In Hebrews 13.5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In Isaiah 41.10, he says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, get the lens on this, this God that we're talking about that is with you is not just some little feeble God that pops in and out of your life every once in a while. He is a huge, massive, powerful God. And aside from providing people in your life and community and church that will walk beside you and you will never be alone in this world, you have a God that is promising you that you are not alone beyond the people that he puts in your life. And just having that right lens. In Deuteronomy 31.6 it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For your Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I had a spiritual mentor that would always say this to me. Either God is a man of his word or he's not. He can't be somewhere in the middle. It either either is or it isn't. Either what he says in his word to you is 100% true or it is 100% wrong. And what God is telling you is that he will never leave you or forsake you. So if you feel alone, those are authentic feelings. And we as especially believers should be compassionate to those around us that feel that way. And put our arm around them and hug them. But we need to quickly guide ourselves and to those friends to the truth that says that they're not alone and into community and, and with other friends. Um, I'm going to let you jump in here so we don't run out of time because okay. I know we're getting close. Um, yeah, this is this is a myth that I know that I struggled with uh, when I came into my situation. Um, nobody in my family had ever encountered anything like this before. We didn't have a roadmap. We didn't have a template as to how to deal with it. And so my family, just knowing my kind of hard-headed personality, they kind of all just kind of pulled away. And, and so for a while, I struggled with I'm all alone and nobody understands what I'm going through. And so... What did I do? I kind of puffed up and I was like, okay, I'm a big boy. I can handle this. I'll be all alone and I can take care of it all by myself. And and I struggled. And I struggled mightily um, for years until God finally started working. Not finally, but I finally started letting him reorder that sentence. <laughs> I finally started letting God in and letting him work on my heart and break me down uh, where he wanted me to be so that I could start becoming dependent upon him. That led me to a relationship with him, led me to uh, coming to Watermark and just starting to plug into some areas um, where uh, I kind of want to get to the the last point, I think, just because of time, uh, that I wanted to make with you, and that is gather a team. Gather a team of people around you. God never intended you to be a single parent. Okay, That was not his plan for you. Okay, um, And at the same time, he doesn't intend for you to be both mom and dad. 
we're not wired or equipped and he didn't make us that way okay I can't be a mother to my daughter okay I can be the best father that I can be but I can't be her mom okay and so we stress mightily at Watermark the value of community and as single parents um, I mean I think this is a shining example as to the value of community is moms there are just some things especially if you've got boys that you're just not going to be able to understand and that's why the father's supposed to be there you know in God's plan and as a dad there's just going to be things that I'm just not going to be able to understand about my daughter okay um, and so that's why I've spent over the last couple of years um, time and energy to be involved in the single parent family ministry so that I could get to know some women so that when I need help Okay, I've got some good godly women that I can talk to. Okay, my daughter's doing this or asking me these questions and things like that. And I've got some community of some godly women around me that I can seek out some advice. And moms, I've had moms call me and ask for help or ask for my input. And it's not even always about their son. Um, it's, I need some help around the house. I had a friend who's not here today, but she's a single mom at Watermark, and, you know, she's got trees that are dragging on her roof, okay? And she can't climb up there and cut branches, but she's like, Richard, if you will come over and cut some branches for me, I will make a lasagna for you to take home and have with your daughter. You know, and we laugh, and that was very sweet of her, but you know what? That's exactly what we need to do. We need to do some cooperative parenting as single parents. And there's an opportunity right here in this room, right here today, last night and today, for some relationships to start developing um, as single parents so that we can lean on each other. We all have a set of gifts and we all have a set of strengths that are delivered to us from God. Okay, And we're intended to not just keep those for ourselves, but to share them with one another. Okay, So here's an opportunity today at lunch, during the breaks and whatnot, for you to start developing some relationships with some other single parents to say, hey... I need a little bit of help here. I need a team around me to kind of help me through some things. <clears throat> and, you know, plug in some holes for one another. Okay? There's a couple of scriptures that we can talk to around that. The one that I ended with before applies to this point as well. Proverbs 15, to, uh, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Okay? And as we're dealing with difficult situations as single parents, uh, maybe it's legal issues. I know for me, I, I had some legal wranglings with my daughter's mom for a while, and I know that I would not have been able, no way would I have been able to handle those uh, anywhere close to as well as I did if I did not lean on the counsel of other people in my life. Spent a lot of time talking with Wes. Spent a lot of time talking with the guy who was the group leader for me going through divorce care and some other guys in my life just saying, okay, here's my situation. You know, I need many advisors to help me with, and, and my plan succeed. So I went out and I sought some good godly men to give me some advice as to how to handle that because if I'd have done it on my own, it would have been a mess. It would have been a mess. Another piece, uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I can't overstate enough the value of community, especially in the single parenting group. Okay, There's opportunities for us to get together, not just today, as Wes mentioned earlier. There's lunches that we do once a month after service. Come, bring your kids. And just, it's a nice informal way for you to start socializing with some people 
for your kids to, to relate with some other kids and start building some relationships. Once a, once a month we get together at the church on a Saturday evening. Um, our kids are taken care of upstairs with uh, some parents who are just have a heart for single uh, the, the children of single parents, spend some time with them. We have the opportunity to go downstairs, have some dinner, socialize, do a little bit of Bible study or, or uh, study some scriptures or prayer time, things like that. It's another opportunity for you to start building out your team. Wes mentioned the Oasis. There are just countless opportunities for you to start connecting with some other people. You just need to avail yourself to those things and make your need known. For a long time, I was stubborn and I was prideful and I would not make my need known. That's why my family pulled away from me. We don't know what to do because he wouldn't tell us what we could do to help him. Okay? Thankfully, the Lord worked on my heart, brought me to Watermark, and I just got to that point where I was ready to make my need known. And it was amazing how many people, how many things filled the void once I asked for help. Okay? And I'm encouraging all of you to do that today. Maybe it's a little thing. Maybe it's a big thing like the legal struggles that I was going through. If it's your finances, um, if it's emotional help, whatever it is, there are opportunities and there are ministries available to you. Even if it's not here at Watermark, even if you don't attend Watermark on a regular basis, go to your home church. Okay? Ask for help. Reach out because the Lord wants to provide for you. Okay? I mean, just for the sake of time, we had a third thing that we were going to, to go into, but I'd rather, I think we can just kind of sidestep that because I want to leave a little bit of time for question and answer. Um, it's probably about 9.30 right now, but we do have a 30-minute break. If you want to go and take advantage of your break, by all means, go. Um, but if you have some questions, Holly, Wes, and myself will stand here and make ourselves available for any questions that you might have. I want to make I want to for one statement in on okay. that last part though. Sorry, I'm going to trump you with your little comment here. <laughs> um, I think this is an important truth because we are talking about parenting and we spend a lot of time talking about us and our view. And what I want to stress is that your children will be affected by the situation. I'm not trying to be a downer. My point to that is, if you're married and there's a loss of a loved one in the family, they're going to be affected. If they have a, a friend that's mean to them at school, they're going to be affected. And if they have to walk through this type of situation with you, they're going to be affected. But there is hope because God promises us to walk us through and not just us but our children. So I really, the, the view that God is in His grace and mercy allowed me to stumble into is that I have an opportunity to show my children how you navigate life through this situation and not look at it as a burden uh, or poor me but look at it as I have this maybe 18 years to shape this child in my case two children into how are they going to lean on things in life what kind of woman or man or in my case two women going to be and how are they going to pursue Christ and I don't know about you guys but the times when we get the best lessons in with our kids and they're through those difficult situations so make every opportunity here to model for them and show them how to walk through this and, and keep your focus on them and the time that you have with them because it's just temporary. It is just temporary. It will pass and one day they're going to be gone and off and hopefully serving the Lord and loving the Lord and, and you can shift back to maybe some more attention on yourself. But every day it's important that you get up and you look through that view of, as Todd was saying last night, what am I trying to mold my children into? What, what Where am I going here? What am I doing? And just reminding ourselves that, you know, they're on loan to us from God. They don't even really belong to us. That He's letting us have them for a period of time to shape them. And because of the hardness of our hearts and the sin in our world, all of us are in some of the situations we're in, that God will be merciful and He will take that and He will take these children that we have and He will build a heart in them 
because of your situation that they might not have ever had. So I just wanted to encourage you and Paul said, and that's basically a summary of what uh, myth three was. Anybody have questions? You have them here listed typical responses, but you don't um, talk about them. Can you talk about some of those for like? Yeah, children birth. Yeah, I mean, these are just typical responses. Again, this is such a moving target because it so depends on on you, on me, and on and my girl's dad. I mean, is it amicable? Is there fighting? What is going on? What happened? Um, you know, was there a marriage? Was there not a marriage? Just a lot of factors, but typically. Statistics show that uh, children birth to six experience fear. Uh, is this what you're talking about? Okay, six to 12 confusion and 13 to 21 anger. I've walked through every single one of those seasons with my kids. We were separated when they were one and three. We were divorced when they were two and four years old, and they're now 12 and 14. And I will tell you, we have gone through each one of those. My view, the reason on the fear is because they're young and their world is rocked and they don't know what is going on. They don't get it. And they feel very insecure, and we're often very wounded at that time trying to figure out what in the world we're going to do. So they feel this very volatile, shifting sand underneath them, and it creates a lot of fear. Again, this is just my view of it. 6 to 12, I think, is confusion. They're trying to navigate through their own development. Um, And for me, personally, that's when it became a little bit more of a challenge, the co-parenting thing. So we had a lot of school things going on. We were passing kids back and forth a lot with holidays. And it was confusing for me to remember, you know, when I was supposed to go here or there. Was he going to pick him up? I mean, it, it just can become kind of organized chaos sometimes. Again, different in every situation. And then 13 to 21, I'm right there at that 14-year-old. She's very angry um, at her father right now. And, again, it's an opportunity for me. It would be real easy for me to play into that. And I'm not going to go into my situation. It would be super easy for me to go, you have a right to be angry. But what God keeps laying on my heart is your daddy needs the Lord in his life. And I know it has hurt you, but we need to be on our knees praying for him because we would never wish eternal hell on him regardless of what's going on in his life. So it's created an opportunity for me to teach her how to pray for someone that's hurting you. Um, So I think each one of those stages gives us opportunity, but I know in some of the previous notes from three years ago, communication, 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 got to keep talking to them and be prepared as Todd said before this will come up over and over again you don't tell your four year old child mom and daddy are divorced and that's it 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 comes up a year later two years later five years later why what happened and you need to be ready to give a response you've got to prepare your own heart and your own lens that you look through so that the response that you give them is one that builds into their character and their heart for Christ and not one that creates more of these feelings. Do you have well, yeah, I mean, I could just talk to my own situation and my daughter's in that 6 to 12 category. And um, you know, I told her early on, my emphasis was all, with her has always been trying to give her age-appropriate information. Okay, she's 7 years old. She's a bright kid. And, and now, as Holly said, and as Todd said last night, questions come up just completely out of the blue. I mean, we're driving down the road talking about the Cowboy game, and then it's like, why didn't you and mommy get married? You know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> no more Tony Romo. Um, you know, those questions will come up. But she, what that's telling me is that she, in her head, she's trying to make sense of what's going on. And she wants, she's trying to figure out heads and tails as to what our situation was. And again, it kind of goes back to having a plan, having a response to those things, okay? Knowing that those things are going to come up, 
Okay, you need to be prepared and prayerful as to what your response is going to be because all of us, I think, would have a story and be able to kind of justify an opportunity to jump on the other parent. But that's not what's going to benefit our children. In this situation, it is 100% about our kids. And so the way I've looked at it is it's an opportunity, one, to fill her heart with some truth. But you know what? It's also an opportunity for me to tell her, you know what? Skylar, the reason that we're in that situation is because Daddy wasn't walking with the Lord. I've sat down and I've had that heartfelt conversation with her and said, you know what? There was a time in my life where I just was not listening and not willing to do what God wanted me to do in my life. And I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. But I said, you know what? That's not the case anymore. Okay? And that's not going to be the way it's going to be anymore. I am going to follow God. I'm going to be obedient to His Word. And that's the way I'm going to raise you as well. And so it's been an excellent opportunity for us just to have some dialogue and for me to start um, doing some things that are going to alleviate her fears. Okay? Because then she can listen to me and she goes, oh, well, Daddy's listening to God. Okay? And, and I know how much she loves God, and that's going to build some trust into her. And I'm, I'm starting to build a foundation of things in her, in those conversations that are going to alleviate fears going forward. So, hey, let, me, uh, let me go ahead and, and uh, wrap up our time real quick. And will you guys thank Richard and Hollywood for being uh, we're going to let you go because they've asked us to be really uh, good on our time and we're, we're just a couple of minutes over, which is great. And so a um, uh, couple of other things practically. I'm going to leave this list uh, right here at this table. If you're not on our email list and you want to be, if you'll just uh, give us your name and email, please uh, write legibly. I know some of us, uh, you know, uh, like to just kind of scratch things on pieces of paper, but my assistant looks at that and goes, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, but if you're not on that list, let us know. And then uh, the other thing that, that Richard and Holly both touched on is uh, community and the importance and the value of community. And next Sunday is GroupLink, which is uh, 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 just the easiest way, frankly, for you to get plugged into a community group. And so uh, that's next Sunday afternoon. I believe it's like 2.30 to 4, somewhere in there. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but the community table out there, Mike Mann is out there to talk with you about that. And so if you are not in a community group uh, and would like to get in one, uh, let me unpack that just real quickly. Uh, For single moms, we have groups that are just single moms, if that's what you're looking for. Single dads, we have groups that are just for single dads, if that's what you're looking for. And, uh, And then you can also, just as a single person, you go, hey... Love being with single moms, but would love to just be with some other single people. Great. We can help you get plugged into one of those as well. And so it really is kind of up to you. And so, uh, but we do have them. They are uh, gender-specific groups um, just because we hope that the level of authenticity and depth that you go to um, is such that you wouldn't be comfortable doing that in a co-ed setting. And so, uh, so anyway, so that's kind of how we do community. And the easiest way for you to do that is next uh, Sunday at Group Link, uh, next Sunday afternoon. So you can sign up for that, or you can just show up next week and uh, and be a part of that. So thank you guys very much. As uh, Richard and Holly said, we'll hang out here and, and chat with you until the next breakout session starts. We may have to move out and let somebody else move in. But uh, thank you guys for coming, and I uh, hope you have a great rest of the day.